0: Welcome to Profiles and Hope, a podcast ministry of Hope Presbyterian Church in Columbus, Ohio. Each week we share God's story in our sermon podcast, but every so often we want to make room for people to share their story and how it fits into God's story. We hope this conversation encourages you and that you realize that with God, hope is more than just wishful thinking. Hey, all Thank you for joining us for part two Of our conversation with Amanda Hollinger, Bernadette McNamara, and Elizabeth Badenhop. We gathered together to discuss what it means to pursue holistic Christian maturity. I hope you enjoy this second half of our conversation as much as I did.
1: There's an element here that we've been that that come up, but not explicitly, and that part of spiritual formation is experience with God. We can have all the facts and all the knowledge, and our churches can do our Orthodox churches can do a fabulous job of teaching purely, or you know, pure, right, good, and true orthodoxy. But I can know all the facts and all the verses about trust. And about how and why God is trustworthy, but until I have the opportunity to experience that with Him mm-hmm. in my in my whole body, not just in my head, that isn't going to be fully true to me. Mm-hmm. And I think one way that our churches err, and and I, I hear this a lot when people come to see me, and they say, "Yes, you know, spiritual, my spiritual." Um, my spirituality is important in counseling and I ask more questions and I want to know what that looks like and what, what, how they think of that, you know, being integrated into their counseling with the clinical counselor. Um, a lot of people will say, well, I don't want Bible verses slapped at me, on me. Like, don't worry. You will not get that here. Right. That is not how we heal. Um, Are those verses true? And does the church some, you know, does the church often teach true things? Yes. But we really harm each other when we think that saying a, a true statement is going to offer transformation or healing for someone without offering opportunity to connect. Um, and I think that's one of the important things that gets lost if we aren't viewing our whole formation or if we aren't viewing formation holistically inc- to include our emotional selves, our bodies, um, Joe, you talk a lot about that amazing trip you took out west to go hiking, right? You could have read books, and you probably read lots and lots and lots of books about the mountains and the trails. And you probably have lots of facts on hand before you went. And you're probably awed already, right, by the, the places and places you were going, the things you were going to do. But until you had the opportunity to stand on the mountain, just mm-hmm. yeah. smell it to touch the rocks and the plant and just, you know, see the flowers and to experience the vastness of the mountain. It wasn't fully true to you. It wasn't an experience. It was just knowledge. So I like to use that analogy or similar ones when people are talking about, you know, well, this is true. I know this is true. Why can't, why can't I just trust God? Because I know all the Bible verses about trusting God. Have you had the experience with God? Of, sh- of him showing you that he's trustworthy. Have you admitted your fears and your doubts? Have you hmm. addressed the fear in the pit of your stomach when you think about taking this risk or addressing this fear, confronting this this person who continues to sin against you, and you know, those kinds of things? So, um, so it's it's much more than knowledge. It's body and soul and emotional experience as well.
2: Hmm requires a lot of
3: attunement
1: Mm
3: -hmm. yeah something that's been helpful for me kurt thompson in anatomy of the soul talks about the link between neuroscience and spiritual practices and he starts the book by talking about and i think he quotes someone here so it's kurt thompson quoting someone else (laughs) but he talks about there's actually circuits in our brain that change and are rewired when we share our stories with someone, and our story is received with empathy. Mm-hmm. It actually changes um, our like it leads to decreased anxiety and it, it leads to a greater awareness of other suffering in the world. And so I think that is just a beautiful starting point, even for the church. It's it's just, are we safe people that can receive people's stories, the good, the bad, and ugly, with empathy and with respect and with a kindness that creates a safety and represents the safety that Jesus offers them? Um, Because I think he also later talks about the link with like shame and doubt and then, you know, doubt leading to shame, shame leading to isolation. And so a lot of people um, fear just being honest about the human experience, you know, being honest about what it's like as a Christian living in a broken world and how that is so hard that being a human being living in the broken world is a hard thing. And, and so I think sometimes when we're just getting all this information, it almost like subconsciously, maybe not so subconsciously, but it almost denies that reality because it's like, Oh, just do these things. And and I'm like, are you kidding me? Do you know how hard it is for me to sometimes get out of bed in the morning? (laughs) You know? And so I think a lot of my healing, um, has come, I mean, there's lots of different things, but part of my healing has come in the context of being received in Christian community, by people who receive me with empathy and care and kindness. And that re- represents God's reception of me. Yeah,
1: As opposed to having facts shoved down your throat. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. That's not going to change. Yeah. It actually drives you away from that person. Mm-hmm. Sure mm-hmm. That group, as opposed yes. to kindness, empathy, understanding.
0: Mm-hmm. And, so, and- I hear you all saying that Twitter is a very good means of <laughs> spiritual formation. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, no, no, it keeps that's people
3: uh, like Amanda and Bernadette employed, <laughs> right, guys? Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, what, what about, so we've been talking about, um, you know, the body and all of that. What about the disciplines? I've, I've, we've, we've kind of referenced them. Experiencing God um, is, is key, you know, knowing about God. We don't just have um, a theoretical knowledge of God; we have a personal relationship with God. So, what are, what, what? Let's talk for a moment about um, disciplines or practices or uh, liturgies, even not just Sunday morning, but throughout the day, so that we could put ourselves in a posture uh, of receptivity, maybe, mm. or relationship what are some relational postures or practices that we could get into um as christians that you've found helpful in your own life or maybe even in your practice
1: Hmm. i have really come to love breath prayers and, and just one sentence prayers and a mentor when i was in college going through a really hard time a mentor encouraged me um to start just a one sentence prayer, um, I was experiencing a tremendous amount of um, just self doubt and uncertainty about myself um, swimming in a sea of people who are a lot like me after being in a, in a space and place in high school where I felt distinctive. Um, and I just developed this intense and awful um, attitude of just judgmentalism toward other people. Mm. And I felt so much embarrassment and shame about it, but it's just, it was, you know, I was defending myself in my brain. Um, and so she, she encouraged me to start just praying that I would have the compassion of Christ for myself and also for others. And so I, I just remember walking along through campus, going right from, you know, from class to class and I would see someone and think something judgmental and then the, the compassion of Christ, the compassion of Christ, the compassion of Christ. It's so simple. It was, the, it was absolutely what my heart needed in order to be transformed. Every time I said it, I knew I need his compassion. And so does that person. Um, and that really started me kind of on a, a, a lifelong walk. The prayers have been different through different seasons of my life. Um, but, there, you know, it, I mean, it, it is a formula, but it's so tiny and simple. And it, it wasn't required at any particular time of day. I just relied on the Holy Spirit um, to remind me of that. Um, but I really found that it helped truly transform the way, um, the way I viewed others. And I, think m- most of the time, I think people would say I have a very soft heart, um, and a very non-judgmental presence. Although I, I can be judgmental, but my posture is much softer. And I just attribute that to over 20 years of those kinds of prayers. Um, I also love, um, centering prayer and have really appreciated Folding that into my life. Um, the pandemic. Um, there are a lot of things about the pandemic that have been absolutely horrible for me. Um, but I have had a, a tremendous amount of silence and solitude and being a social person, I've hated it, but the Lord sort of pinned me in a corner and said, be quiet with me. That's your option. Let's do something like this, you know? So centering prayer, um, which is very, very body-centered, very calming. I actually lie down either on my bed or on the floor so that I can feel gravity um, just pulling on on me from kind of head to toe um, and choosing a word or a phrase from scripture that I studied that morning or earlier in that day and just kind of say it over and over again and continue to bring my attention back to that word or phrase and just let the Spirit offer what He wants to offer me in that space just like any relationship, sometimes it's really beautiful and amazing and incredible and it's a great connection. And sometimes it my mind wanders and sometimes I fall asleep. Um but I was talking about this with a client the other day and she's feeling a lot of disappointment in herself about not being able to like focus and stay focused on the task. It's like we need to think of it like climbing into our daddy's lap and just sitting with him. Hmm. He he's delighted that we're with him. He doesn't require anything of us, and he's not disappointed if we take a nap in his lap. It's okay. Isn't that what any daddy would love, right, to have a little girl or yeah. person. just trust mm-hmm. and feel so secure that we could fall asleep? Mm-hmm. So those are two Good things, word. breath prayers and centering prayer, for me, have been um, in the past to present and in, in very, very recent years. I think they have been the most helpful to me.
3: I think for me, when I think of um, like habits and disciplines, I have to view them as invitations. Um, my starting point for me has to be, this is not to impress God. This is not mm-hmm. to earn anything. There is nothing that I can do to make God love me less. And in fact, there's nothing I can do to make God love me more. Like mm-hmm. I am secure I am his, he delights in me. He desires to spend time with me. He wants to be involved in my life, Mm -hmm. but it's not for, um, achieving anything. It's actually almost (laughs) the opposite. It's for rest. And so, um, that has to be my starting point because I can be a little neurotic. (laughs) And so, I have to view it as this is an invitation
1: mm-hmm.
3: um, to be with God. And so one of the things that's actually been um, really formative in my life and my family's life, I would say, is incorporating Sabbath and just one day a week or one 24-hour period where we choose to not work. And we have a focus on just being together, being with God, playing um even being in nature during the pandemic um my husband has learned how much he loves nature and so he kind of has this goal of visiting every single uh, metro park in Columbus and i think we're at like 12 or 14 now but um it's a part of our, our sabbath rhythm where we just rest with god and experience nature and receive and we usually end our time with a really good takeout where we're tasting god's goodness literally in our mouths and and it's just been such a formative thing and um do we do it every week? Um, no, there are some, there are some weeks that we don't. Um, but there's not shame in that. It's more of, as I've practiced this, I recognize, oh, this is a gift God wants to give me. This is actually something he wants to do for me. And so I can receive this invitation. Um, as, as receiving a gift from God, not because I need to prove anything or be anything. And, and as I receive this invitation, God uses it to form me and, and make me more like himself, which, um, in turn, again, um, helps me, uh, it, 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 it I guess, causes me to just naturally be a better lover of my neighbor and those around me because I have experienced the goodness of God. I am then able to live more fully in who God created me to be and live in a posture of blessing other people than needing something from other people.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, Amanda, I I related a lot to the Centering Prayer, which I learned a lot about during my time at Ashland. But what's been new for me in that, and I used to do what you do actually, lay down. Um, But I have started incorporating it more, which maybe seems like it doesn't really go together, but um, in just physical exercise. So normally I listen to music, you know, Foo Fighters or (laughs) anyone that can like actually help me complete a high intensity workout. Um, But during the pandemic, I've been going on a lot of walks by myself and not even sometimes just not even bringing my phone or not even having earbuds in. Um, And that for me is really uncomfortable and really boring. Um, But I wanted to get into the practice of just inviting God. God. I feel like God's always inviting me to be with him, but I don't often invite him to be with me that makes sense mm-hmm. and so um, when Ryan gets home from work I go on a really long walk sometimes it's a jog um, now that there is an ice on the street
3: <laughs> um,
2: but um, I walk to high banks our neighborhood leads like right into high banks and I walk around for an hour and and sometimes I bring my headphones if I'm like all right I want to you know um, listen to a podcast or something but I've been getting into the habit of just being with God by myself, alone in my thoughts, and so it's interesting to see what what comes up in that.
0: It does. It almost sounds like as you as you are all sharing that we are in a sense working out um, the the kind of radical love of God, the justification by faith alone without mm-hmm. works. Like there seems to be like like that heavy heady doctrine is so s- simply lived out mm-hmm. and and can be so kind of like I think napping in his presence would be the ultimate mm-hmm. expression of that doctrine <laughs> it's like mm-hmm. we we are accepted and uh, we don't have to earn or do anything and so it's an invitation to life abundant um all these things well what as we as we kind of round um h- towards home in our conversation i would just love to just all of you are lifetime learners i know this um and i just wonder is there is there something that you're currently like learning or excited to learn more about that relates to this topic what we're calling holistic christian maturity is there something that um is just incredibly exciting for you that you that you would just love to um share with us
3: um uh, well something i'm learning and um i am excited about is um i'm reading this book called the critical journey um which is the stages of the life in faith and so it's for the program that i'm a part of in spiritual formation and direction but it basically just walks through um the experience um, and stages of faith. And, and what I'm struck as I read about this is it's, it's essentially, I feel like I keep saying this term, but it's walking us through the human experience of being a Christian, living in a broken world <laughs> and how God meets us there and forms us and shapes us and um, how that journey is both full of goodness and it's full of pain and God wants to use all things to draw us into deeper relationship with himself. Um, and so I'm, I'm fascinated um, by this and specifically um, part of the journey that, can, that has been called the wall or the dark night of the soul. Um, something that I've experienced and I, I feel like I'm on the other side of now, but I'm still feeling a little bit disoriented from it and trying to figure out what. Um, kind of even like, I'm, I'm a little bit in this new stage in my walk with God and I, I'm kind of refiguring it out right now. What is, what does life right now look like as far as relating to God and moving forward? And, and so I'm just learning a lot about that. And with that, I mentioned this also, um, there's a big emphasis on how doubt can lead to shame and then shame can lead to isolation. And statistically, and I don't know where you get this stat like this, but it says like something like 80% of people never make it out of the wall. They essentially walk away from their faith because there's so much doubt. Um, And and God can seem so silenced, or he can seem so silent. And and that can lead to such isolation that instead of continuing to move forward, people just quit. And to me, that is so heartbreaking. (laughs) And so as I study this, I'm really trying to learn, um, what does it look like for me to provide a safe place for people who are in this season? And then also what does it learn for Christian communities to be safe places for people to struggle and to doubt and to have a human experience living in a broken world. So I could go on and on, but I just, I just love, I just love learning about this kind of stuff. This kind of bounces off Elizabeth a little bit, but something
2: that I've been learning lately, particularly with, holistic Christian maturity is that um, it requires me to be attentive and vulnerable to the place where that I'm in um, and where I am spiritually and sin struggles and all of that but you know really it requires this co-regulation with God and with the body of Christ and what I mean by co-regulation is just um, the truth that I am seen and that I belong. So, again, mm-hmm. goes back to safety and relationships, right? Like if I'm not being honest about sin struggles or if I'm not being honest about, um, yeah, just <laughs> uh, the things that are, I'm struggling with, how can I then receive feedback to grow, Um in my maturity, I can't do that, you know, Elizabeth, as you've mentioned, like, you're just stuck in a a cycle of -hmm. shame or whatnot, and so, as the body of Christ, we are called to be, or called to bear witness to each other's joy, and each other's pain, Um, and to just acknowledge that we see one another, and not acknowledge that, um, you know, we're not all in the same size boats, but we're all in the same boat right we're all kind of paddling along we're all in different um you know places on that journey but I love just what you said Elizabeth because I think that as believers and um as the body of Christ that should be our posture and knowing like how can I enter into this person's story um gently how can I bear witness to their pain Um, while also sharing my own, you know, how do we do that in a healthy way? Um, and yeah.
0: Any, as we close, I would love to just ask if, while I have all of you in one space, in one place, any kind of, um, practical wisdom or insight into exiting this, pandemic well and i say exiting it well because it does seem as if we're entering into a new chapter as a society where we are starting to set our eyes on what's next and that whatever that looks like for us um this has been a grueling um trying season for everybody and for different reasons Mm -hmm. and and i and if we had this podcast last march i would have asked the question how do we endure this year? Well, and maybe I should still should ask that question. But I guess my question now is, is there any, um anything, knowing what you know about the human heart and about God? Um, is there any just small piece of advice that you could give listeners as we crawl out?
1: Two things come to mind for me. I mean, we could I could talk about this for hours, but two things come to mind for me. And first and foremost is that we have all lost many things and therefore we are all going through a grief process. And sometimes our grief is sort of delayed. We might not, I mean, there are people who would say they're flourishing right now. It's a smaller, <laughs> probably a group of people, um, but, but we have all lost things, and I just would love for us as individuals and for us as a church body to be able to hold space for everyone's grief. It's all going to look different. Everybody's hard is hard. And it, one thing we need to do in, in order to be able to do that well is to, to develop these these empathetic muscles where, like Elizabeth was saying earlier, we can listen to what was hard for someone, might not be hard for us, we might think that sounds like a, a cakewalk, but it was hard for them. It was hard for them to be able to just offer acceptance of, of what their loss is and empathy. Um, so accept that we're all going through grief and we're going to continue. It's not going to just end when we can mm-hmm. go back to see certain people or go back to church in person, or we don't have to wear masks anymore. It's not just going to magically disappear. Mm-hmm. Right. And if, Grief doesn't have a beginning, middle, and an end. It's an ongoing process. There will be something. This is sobering. It's not fun to talk about. But there, when I'm in my 60s, something will happen that will remind me of what was lost. I have a senior who's lost a lot in her senior year of high school. Mm. Um, and I've lost experiences as the mom of the senior in high school. Um, I have a job. I have a home. I have lots of security and those things. But there is a tremendous amount of emotional loss that I'm experiencing now. And I, it, it's going to continue. Um, and so just holding space for that and allowing that to be something that unifies us, even though our experiences are different from each other on some levels, um, being empathetic and understanding and respectful of that. That will give us opportunity to connect at a much deeper level than, um, well, you weren't trusting God or okay. you know, don't be anxious. Um, or, well, it'll all work out in heaven, right? God will restore everything in heaven. (laughs) That's, that's, that's true. I believe that's true. Um, but for the rest of the years that I have on this planet, what I've lost is probably lost and probably won't come back, you know? Mm -hmm. So those kinds of things that's, and that's moving too, but.
0: No. That's so good. So good. It's a, it's almost as if, um, hope 2031 vision. Mm-hmm. If we're going to be emotionally mature in 10 mm-hmm. years, we will be grieving 2021
1: mm-hmm. in that
0: 2031.
1: Yeah. 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 And it doesn't have to be we're crying that. and sad all the time. You know, right. it, it doesn't have to be heavy and dark all the
2: time, but no. we need to be able to have the capacity to do that. Yeah. Yeah. And I would say too, when you notice those losses, when you notice that grief Um, you know, I've, I've heard it said that we can feel grief in our lungs and in our throat. Um, we feel rage in our hands and our calves, you know, Mm -hmm. so taking time to just do an inventory of your body as all of, you know, July 4th, is that it? (laughs) when everything like opens up, um, (laughs) again, (laughs) not just get distracted, um, by the fact that things are open up, but to actually take Mm -hmm. responsibility personal responsibility and stock in in how you're doing I could see myself just being so excited that I you know I can like go on a real date with my husband like out that I'm just like you know so and that's mm-hmm. gonna be joyful right so like feel what you feel in the moment but um, uh, Daniel Siegel he's one of my go-to guys in terms of you know neuroscience the brain and the body connection and his phrase for um, when you're in a state, you know, of grief or rage or whatever it is, is that you have to name it to tame it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something that I have to remind myself: is just, just name what you're noticed. Oh, just name what you're feeling. I don't mm-hmm. think we fully understand how powerful that is to name it. Um, you have to give it language. You have to give your experience language um and then you can you know pour all of that feeling on to to god or your discipler or your pastor joe Um,
0: i have a feelings wheel a counselor gave me
2: so get it have it handy i'm like what are these these um one of the things that i want to do is um so, uh, Adam Young, he is a counselor uh, through the Allender Center. Um, he and actually, I think this comes from Walter Brueggemann, not him. He's um, but writing your own psalm, um, and I think that is a really beautiful, kind way of acknowledging your body, your mind, your action um, acknowledging your losses to God. Um, and he actually has a whole template on his website on how to write your own Psalm. If you Mm -hmm. go to adamyoungcounseling.com, he has all sorts of free resources. Um, his podcast, his podcast, the place we find ourselves is one of my favorites, but, um, I just, I think that could be a really cool way to engage Mm -hmm. what, you just experienced in, in this past, in this past year. Um, one other thing, the Allender Center podcast, I was excited to see this question here, Joe, because they have a two-part series right now on this exact question. Oh, great. What do we do with our bodies and our, ourself once we're out of this pandemic? It's literally that. So Great. I yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. It, so mm.
3: yeah, give that a listen too.
0: Elizabeth, any 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 thoughts?
3: Yeah, that's really rich, you guys. Um, well, something I've been thinking of is how do I memorialize this year? And um, you know, I work with college students, and so at the end of each year, a lot of times with my seniors. We'll talk about um, in Joshua 4, when Gad um, has just led the Israelites <laughs> to the Promised Land. They cross the Jordan, and they stop, and they take 12 stones, and they build a memorial to just remember how God has been faithful in the midst of so much hard, of just 40 years of wandering and grief and not knowing and thinking they knew and (laughs) being like, wait, God, what are you doing? And they just have this moment where they remember how God was faithful and they don't deny their grief and they don't deny how hard it is, but it's the practicing of remembering. And um, I think if we look at Israel in general, it's like, oh yeah, one of their biggest sin is that they forgot to remember God's faithfulness and provision. And so for me, this year has been so hard, um, like all of you have alluded to. There's been so much loss and grief on top of grief. But there's also been some really sacred moments with Jesus um, where I've, you know, in some ways been forced into silence and solitude, being by myself. Um, and there's been parts of this year that have felt very healing. And I'm changed. I am a different person than I was in March of 2020. And and so I think as I remember God's faithfulness and I, I take some time to reflect on how God has formed and shaped me and changed me. Um I just don't want to forget that, you know? And I I, I don't want to forget because God has has done a work um, and I want to remember it. I want to remember it for the next time I'm in a place where I'm like, what the heck, God, what are you doing? So yeah, memorializing it somehow. Mm-hmm.
0: That's really good. You guys. Well, thank you so much. I really, really, really appreciate not just what you shared, but just uh, your willingness to, Um, yeah, to bring all of your experience to bear on, on this humble podcast. Thanks for listening. For more resources like this, please visit our website at hopechurchcolumbus.org.